Once upon a time, in a land far, far away, an aged king sat upon a tarnished throne. Long had he ruled over his kingdom, the land of Daventry, yet no heirs had he borne. Where once great throngs of courtiers and subjects had filled his halls, now only solitary suits of armour remained, the knights who filled them long departed. Daventry itself had fallen into ruin. Once a thriving and prosperous kingdom full of brave and noble folk, now all that remained were starving peasants, wicked witches, and a kleptomaniacal dwarf. Sensing his end is near, King Edward summons the last and most trusted of his knights, Sir Graham, to his throne room, whereupon he proposes a challenge to the young adventurer. If Graham can reclaim three lost treasures and bring peace and prosperity to the land once more, then the throne will be his. Never one to turn down a challenge, Sir Graham accepts, and so begins a great adventure full of danger and excitement, joy and woe, gnomes and leprechauns. Will Sir Graham succeed in his task? Join us as we embark on King's Quest 1, Quest for the Crown. everybody and welcome to the show my name is jim aka mr spatula my name is Stephen, aka the chap in the hat hello there hello and we are the graphic adventurers and welcome to our very first podcast and i'd like to thank you all for joining us on this what is i hope going to be a interesting adventure for both of us Stephen. i hope so too i hope so too. exactly so thanks mum and thanks to my wife if i do indeed persuade us to even listen and thanks to i hope you're going to listen to it Stephen. i, I am i'm going to say thank you to um uh, jameson's exactly that's product placement i don't know whether we can get away with that but uh, i'm sure since we have a grand audience of three at the moment that i don't think jameson's are going to kick up that much of a fuss anyway thank you for joining us and i do hope as we go on that we will gain many more listeners and devoted fans Firstly, I think it's important that we get out of the way exactly what this podcast is about and what we do here. We are a um, couple of old friends, would you say, Stephen? Less of the old, but we've known each other for a majority of our lives, I would say, at least more than half of it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, our friendship is old rather than we are old. Young at heart. Yes, young at heart. And we have been wanting to do a uh, podcast together for some time now. I've certainly wanting to be do something um, for a while, and we talked to each other about it quite a lot. And since lockdown hit, I think we decided to go ahead with it, didn't we? Yes, uh, do something creative in uh, this, these turbulent times. Quite, quite. So as our subject, we have chosen something which we both very much enjoyed growing up, which is the world of classic PC gaming. I know you had a PlayStation when you were a, a, a wee lad, although I did not have anything except a PC. My uh, parents didn't approve of computers that were purely made for the sake of entertainment. Well, my my console was only the uh, the well po- po- uh, the a tertiary aspect, uh, for I had a, a Spectrum and uh, and a, 
Amiga 500 prior to oh, that, wow. the old floppy disks. Yes, wow. indeed. Played a Excellent. lot of uh, old computer games on those. You had a very Bad British boys. childhood then. Absolutely, absolutely, sir. For our American listeners, if you do not know, ZX Spectrum was sort of akin to the Commodore 64, but more shit. <laughs> uh, with a screeching tape, <laughs> not unlike dial-up um, internet. Uh, yes, well, it was a bit like dial-up internet, except you also had a monitor on which appeared spasmodic yellow and blue lines Streets. going up and down the screen as the logo screen very slowly hoved into view pixel by pixel. I remember my dad showing me a ZX Spectrum when I was younger, and I literally thought, because, you know, you're five, and, you know, to you, five minutes is like a lifetime. So I thought that was the game. I thought that was it. Just <laughs> watching the lines and hearing the screech. Yeah, slowly see the TV fill up with colour. That's TV was pretty pants then, so, yeah, that was quite entertaining anyway we're not a zx spectrum podcast we've somewhat tangented already which we said we weren't going to do but never mind one thing that we both very much enjoyed growing up was playing point and click adventures am i right absolutely um even now like puzzle solving games um absolutely love them love them thinking outside the box thinking inside the box using that moon logic i i certainly grew up on the um the staples of i think i was what five when we got our first computer in 1990 and one of the very first games that we bought actually i tell a lie this isn't one of the very first games that we bought because i remember it was on pirated discs with a poorly photocopied wheel turner thing for the copy protection was the original monkey island i i would concur with my very first point and click adventure was was the secret of monkey island tm Oh, it was Melly Island TM. <laughs> yes, and that was had a big effect on me. I was only five or six, but I do remember running up the phone bill calling um, my mate who lived up the street to uh, share tips on what puzzles we'd solved and where we'd gotten stuck. And since then, we I grew up on all the LucasArts games, really. We um, we bought pretty much everyone after that, along with the uh, the old Revolution games, the Broken Sword games. They were a big influence as well. So for me, they're a large part of my childhood. They're something I cherish. And I, I, I'm somewhat sad that even today, it's sort of, it's not a dead genre, but it's certainly something that's fallen by the wayside, unfortunately, which I think is a shame. It very much had its time, and we are sort of like the, the generation that encapsulated it. Uh, I don't think people have the time nor the patience for uh, puzzle-solving games no, anymore. No, they don't. And we'll get to that. Unless it was a puzzle of how to make the man behind a wall dead and your only puzzle piece is a gun. <laughs> I mean, and you there's a strict time limit. Well, I mean, if he's behind a wall, that's, you know, if you've got to like move around it or use wall piercing bullets or. I think you're giving Call of Duty a little bit too much credence on that aspect. Possibly. So that's what we decided to do, and I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. We're starting at the very beginning, as you shall see uh, shortly when I introduce our first game. But it's a journey which I'm excited to take with you, Stephen, because a lot of these games, either I haven't played them in a very, very long time, or I've never played them at all. So I'm really, really looking forward to rediscovering the old classics and discovering some new ones as well. Yes, uh, you're absolutely correct. I mean... The list that you gave me, uh, I thought I'd pay, played a hell of a lot of games from when I was a child. I was always told, my parents told me I spent too much time on the computer, so I was assumed that I'd played all. But the uh, games that you gave me a list of, I realised I'd not played maybe 
not not even a quarter. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. a lot of the obviously you you hear a lot about games and there's a lot of as we find out later on that there's a lot of references to other games. LucasArts was very good at uh, referencing the earlier stuff. Yes, I completely missed the Sierra piss takes in the uh, the original Monkey Island when I played yes, it. I had no we didn't idea. Know it existed at the time. <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't. But now, you know, it's a whole new world. Now we understand. Well, now we understand certainly. As Aladdin said to Jasmine, a whole new world. Yes. So um, we're. I didn't get that reference at all. I know what Aladdin is, but you passed me by there. It's quite all right. Let it go. I'll let's <laughs> let it go. Uh, that's a complete. I'm not that's a different away from disney away move away from disney. Oh, unlike lucas arts but no one <laughs> <laughs> very good very good that's our first anyway. uh, classic joke of the show satire <laughs> exactly um, topical as well so what we're going to do first today is before we start talking about the first game we played which we have uploaded the videos to youtube to our youtube channel at the graphic adventurers you can see the raw footage of us muddling our way through the first game there. Before we go through that, we're going to just talk a little bit about our experiences of adventure games. We've sort of touched on it slightly already. What we like about them and some of the things that we don't like about them or don't like about the ones which are not very good. So, Stephen, would you like to uh, to start or um, or would you like me to, to talk a little bit about what it is that draws me to adventure games um i i can i can give it a go no um i suppose um i always i'm always a fan of like the deep not necessarily a deep story but uh stories are, are more of a compulsion rather than action i mean i mean a good puzzle is also good i i, I what i don't like is the whole aspect of you see um what, what was that what thing is that the resident evil um puzzle solving uh which is uh you you need there's a shield uh hole um you find a shield emblem hmm i wonder what i need to do here you find a shield hole shaped emblem that's, that's it you 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 cannot get through this door uh the the diamond door you find a diamond key Ooh, i wonder where i need to go now and uh, then a monster shoot your face off we w- I, i'm sure do you know what we will be doing resident evil at some time i just want to say we're not going to be um we're going to be sticking to graphic adventures at first and as we move along and we either run out of them or we fancy broadening our horizons, I think we are going to look into games which I would say capture the spirit of the adventure game rather than necessarily being point and click themselves. Um, I would say, yeah, all the ones that we pretty much grew up playing, which for me was sort of like Half-Life, Deus Ex, Resident Evil, etc. We will get to them, I'm sure, in time. But I think certainly there'll be there'll be one-offs, maybe. I think that the adventure game will be our main focus for the podcast. So yeah, for me, the diversity and the variety of stories that you used to get with adventure games were something which I really appreciated, being someone who uh, didn't read enough books. I like to get my stories from my computer games that I played, and they tended to have the best ones. I like the slow pace to them. I like the fact that you can take your time. You're not under pressure. You've not. It doesn't take a lot of physical or um, dexterous Need skill. reaction. Exactly, in order to play them. Apart from that broken sword. Don't even puzzle. start on that. We will get to that. We're going to do a fucking episode on the broken sword. On the puzzle. puzzle. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure 
avid adventure game players listening will know what we're talking about but yeah i enjoyed the cerebral aspect to it i enjoyed the fact that you could take your time that it was based on thinking and puzzle solving and that you got good stories in there as well and when voice acting came along as well adventure games were really the first ones to really um take advantage of that i also found a lot of them have a a decent amount of humor in them some very good humor um as as we find later in sort of the game we're going to discuss later on even through just simple text the right sentence at the right time can i was like oh that's that was very funny well done that was that was good (laughs) (laughs) yeah no there is there's certainly a a macabre humor in the game we're looking at today and certainly when i grew up playing them the lucasarts games especially were and remain i would say some of the funniest games i've ever played so humor as well i think was a major aspect to it but there were some very good non-humorous or uh, more serious adventure games as well, and I like the diversity of genre that you got. In oh yeah, well, there were some po- there were some very good point-and-click uh, horror games. Um, from what I remember, oh, I have no mouth and I, I can't scream. scream. I, I, I yes, um, I, I only played that a little bit, and that was that is very good. Yeah, I thought you were going to say Phantasmagoria, and then <laughs> I was about to say uh, no good horror games, Stephen. <laughs> yes yeah but uh but yeah so that's that's kind of what draws me to them in terms of what i don't like about them or what i things that i don't like to see in my adventure games i'm gonna go on a rant about modern gaming here but some of the modern ones do you know when i listen to like gaming podcasts and i hear especially professional gaming critics shit on like classic adventure games and complain about how difficult they were or how the puzzles didn't make sense and how you know oh i didn't know what i had to do so i had to go and look up a guide that's called gameplay back in the day getting stuck was part of the game i i will i would say i i completely honestly agree also that's where the sort of like the whole sierra is very print um famous for sort of their their moon logic mm. things apparently not making sense yeah um which I'm, I'm really looking forward to having a retrospective look at to see if it was just us being kids that didn't quite get it or i mean later you'll find out that some puzzles uh, emulate through the they ripple through games that come later on and um we, we'll cover this later on about a particular difficult puzzle yes in the game we are going to look at today what's happened now especially in the telltale era of adventure games is everything's been stripped down everything's been simplified and this started with text passes becoming verb interfaces and then verb interfaces becoming graphical interfaces and then those disappearing altogether until now it's just like press x to move story forward but that's what a book is yes it's the There's turn no page in a book like a page turn this is what the telltale games are all about you know the walking deads and game of thrones and everything that came out they sort of hit on this thing where there's no there's no puzzles really it's just making choices moral choices or something and then seeing what happens but there's no getting stuck there's no puzzle solving there's no actual use of the brain so that annoys me about modern games and sort of hint systems that they put in games now where you press a button and you can see everything you can interact with on the screen taking away that pixel hunt joy of it i'm I'm very much a classic adventure gamer i like to getting stuck is part of the fun in my opinion that's as much as i'll say about that i I think that's possibly what's endowed me to uh constantly look i mean a lot probably 
get a lot of people probably get annoyed at me when I play games because I'll I'll click on and read like the notice boards and I'll look at this and I'll uh, read the emails in something to find out all the depths of oh so Sharon and Mr Johnson had an affair but that's got nothing to do with the story <laughs> um, in which game did Sharon and Mr Johnson have oh, an I affair I think it was in Deus Ex Human Revolution. Uh, it was like, it's nothing to do with the story. It's just like you read through it, you hack into everybody's emails. But it you could. Realize... Later on, you might meet Sharon, and then you've got like some blackmail material to get to do what you want. It never happened. But <laughs> I know it never happened, but I'm saying, you know, you want to check. But that's the sort of stuff I like. I like sort of oh, the no, world I love building. That too. I love the world building. I love reading all that I can about the world that I'm in until I play Skyrim. And then I'm just like sat in Bree's home for eleven hours. I'm like, do you know what? I I don't want to read any more books. I'm don't, I don't think they're helping. Uh, uh, yeah, there's a suspension of disbelief. Uh, I pretty much in Skyrim went around pretending I was the Emperor, going <laughs> limited power, zapping uh, crabs and deer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were very much a making um... me a mammoth, and then it'll splat me on a wall. You enjoyed the open world aspect to it where you could just go around yes, and do yeah. what you want. See, I think that's where we differ slightly and why I'm drawn to the more narrative games is uh, I like freedom and I like differences in approaches, but I do like to have some sort of a goal. It's like when they just, these games these days, they just plonk you down in this huge world and say, oh, do what you want. And you think, well, don't know really what I want to do. Go have a beer. In that case, you need to manufacture beer. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on crafting. Anyway, we're moving away from adventure games now to just yes. my annoyances at games in general. So, having discussed our likes, dislikes, our history with the uh, the genre, I think maybe it's time to uh, to actually get into the review itself. Yes, yes, that's that's buckled down to uh, to business. Our discussion on the game. So, for those of you who haven't worked it out already, the game that we are going to be looking at today is Sierra Online's King's Quest, or as it was redubbed in later versions, King's Quest 1, The Quest for the Crown. This is a game that came out in uh, in 1984, and for those of you who were not alive in 1984, which includes both of us, only, only just. I will allow my colleague here to paint a little picture of what the world was like back then. Right, uh, yes, in 1984, not only did the film 1984 come out, um, but you could have enjoyed such delights as the original Ghostbusters, Beverly Hills Cop, Indiana Jones, The Temple of Doom, uh, the Spielberg Gremlins. Oh, classic. Uh, absolutely one of the best Christmas... No, it's not the one of the best, but it's definitely up there. Die Hard, Die Hard. Yeah. Um, Neverending Story, uh, Karate Kid... And a Romancing the Stone, which is going to be nudge, nudge, wink, wink for the next reference for the next game. For the next game. So for you Zoomers out there who haven't even heard of the 1980s, these are some cultural touchstones for you to try and get a feel for the era in which this classic emerged. Uh, yeah, you could have uh, sat watching uh, Ghostbusters at the theatre and uh, had in your uh, Walkman uh, Princes When Doves Cry. Tina Turner's What's Love Got to Do With It, uh, and Kenny Loggins' Footloose, uh, and I believe the film Waste of came a film out ticket. not with it with Kevin Bacon as well. Uh, yes, Kevin Bacon was in Footloose. Also, uh, band late later on the end of uh, 1984, Band Aids. Do they know it's Christmas? Uh, stomped away with Christmas number one. That was actually the song that was number one in the UK when I was born. Interesting fact. 
to me. There you are. Not to uh, and for Christmas, or indeed your birthday, you could have got uh, uh, the PC Apple um, release of uh, the what? The very the Macintosh came out, so you could have got that for your birthday. Excellent. And politically, I believe that that was the year that both Reagan and Thatcher were re-elected. And the north of England <laughs> cried for, for a while. It did, for a while, they're still fucking crying. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm just stating a truth. I'm not well, 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 we're from Sheffield, so... Yeah. We are. I, I'm well aware of it. Okay, on with the uh, history of the game itself. Sierra Online, they were, they were actually founded in 1979 as Online Systems by Ken and Roberta Williams. Ken was a programmer for IBM, and he bought an Apple II, which was one of the main computers back then, for his job. And his wife, in, his sp- in her spare time, she used to play text adventures on his computer. For those of you who don't know, text adventures were basically computerized choose-your-own-adventure novels. Do you remember them, Stephen? I do. I've still got... Uh, about six or seven uh, choose your own adventure novels from when I was a kid. That's genuinely I used to make awesome. My own maps and everything. <laughs> that's unironically cool. That, <laughs> that's very. <laughs> did the maps actually? Was there like a geographic logic to these choose your own adventure books? Or did well, I, 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 say I made my own maps. I drew them out with mm. squares and stuff like that. And uh, no, they did tally up. Oh yeah, they actually. Yeah, okay, that's cool. That is cool. I just remember. You'd learn the pages where you got fucked. So it'd be like if it said, if you choose this, go to page 36. And you're like, no way. I I know that page. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If I go to that page, I'm going to be decapitated. So no thanks. <laughs> so yeah, I think Colossal Cave Adventure was actually the first text adventure technically. But Zork was the one that really popularized it. And in these adventures, you basically had a description of what you could see and what was going on, and you would type in what you wanted to do, you know, move north, pick up sword, whatever. And the computer would use what's called a text parser. I would say, weirdly enough, a bit like a Twitch game. You know, when people type in, go, you know, people have played Pokemon by Twitch. So up one, down one, pick up this. It was kind of right. Okay, I didn't know... I didn't realise that there were... Do you mean people on stream interacting with the people playing it? Yeah, yeah. You, you type yeah. in a command and the things did it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in that case, you have an actual human reading your commands who can understand what you're saying. In these cases, back in the 70s, it was a computer trying to figure out exactly the command you were giving it. And it wasn't always the best at it. But this was the system that was used, and this was the system that went into the early graphic adventures which came out. So they still used text commands and text passes. You had to type in what you wanted to happen. So Roberta Williams was not very happy with the text adventure format because she wanted to take advantage of what she considered to be increased graphical capabilities of modern computers, um, especially the Apple II, to improve on the adventure experience. So in 1980... Online Systems, as it was known, then released a game called Mystery House. And this was the first game in Sierra's what's called their high-res adventure series. Somewhat ironic now, that <laughs> that name for it, because... I would say, well, when you say high-res, are you talking... 4K? Uh, <laughs> yeah. IMAX? No. No, 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 no. About, what, 200 by 100 pixels, maybe, at push? I'm not sure exactly of the technical details for Mystery House. But the images that came up on screen were static. There was no animation in them. There was no characters in them. It was basically a line-drawing picture. 
in black and white of what was being described in text. So it was very basic, but it gave the player some pictorial reference in order to understand their environment, which is actually a big thing because when you read a book or you read a text adventure, you know, 50 different people read it, they'll draw up 50 different ideas in their heads of what the environment looks like and where things are. It was groundbreaking in, in a way because you could see the picture and keep things in your mind much more easily. Roberta Williams wrote the script in three weeks. She persuaded her husband, Ken, to develop the game over the next three months. And oh, then she would quick work. Turn. Yeah, no, it was quick turnaround back then. Not like these days where uh, Duke Nukem Forever took... Forever. 15 years to develop, I think. Yeah. And then it was shit when it came out. This was... It was a quick turnaround. One of turnaround. the first three... times of the apocalypse. <laughs> Yeah, and then Half-Life Alex came out recently, which was one of the next ones, I believe. So, Roberta Williams worked on the text and the graphics. Ken Williams used his programming know-how to translate this into a playable game. And the the game was a hit. It sold about 15,000 copies. And from that moment on, really, the graphic adventure was uh, was born. Um, and over the next two years, Online Systems went on to develop more graphic adventures, including... Mission Asteroid, Ulysses, and the Golden Fleece, and the Dark Crystal. And crucially, they'd also developed a game called The Wizard and the Princess. This was a game that improved on Mystery House's black and white line art to include full-color artwork, although this was still static and crude and there were no animations in it. But more importantly, it introduced players to a fancy world of quests, swords, and sorcery. The subject matter would prove to be a huge hit with players and would inspire the series for which Sierra is best known, and that would be the King's Quest series. Jolly good. I would say I imagine sort of uh, Dungeons and Dragons came out around that time. I think D&D was, it was sort of 70s, I think, when it came out, when Gary Gygax got all that going. I think there was always that kind of ilk around ever since sort of the Lord of the Rings, but I think Gary Gygax pretty much put some context to it and put some rules and made a game out of it yes i mean you Stephen, are very au fait with dungeons and dragons i myself have never played it so there's going to be moments anyway in which there are references to these things which i don't get uh, in which case i would uh, very much appreciate your input there yes as soon as <laughs> if there is a particular reference in that particular arc and i'll i'll most definitely point it out um, yeah, or, or make a joke about it and then explain it, therefore defeating the object of it being a joke. <laughs> Repeat until funny. Rule six of comedy. So in 1982, IBM contacted the now rebranded Sierra Online looking for launch titles to its upcoming PC Junior home computer. And one of the games Sierra developed would be King's Quest, and it would constitute the very first animated graphical adventure. Now in stark contrast to the three-month husband and wife effort that mystery house was king's quest was developed not only by ken and roberta but also by six full-time programmers and it took 18 months to complete oh wow so there's already a uh, ballooning in development time that you can see here in between games that they're doing they're building up their skills and experience and developing more complex games i, I imagine also to make it commercially viable as well rather than just a thing built in your bedroom Yes, I would think so. Like this podcast, you mean? Yep. <laughs> right. Study, you know, you name it. 
IBM stated in advertisements that King's Quest runs on the IBM PC Junior and makes good use of some of the special PC Junior capabilities with, and I quote, unusually smooth and realistic animation and an impressive variety of sound effects. Uh, a variety would be at least three? <laughs> uh, apparently. A beep, a boop, and a bladoop. A bibbly boop. To be fair, yeah, yeah, it, 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 you don't need a lot in order to give context of what's going on. You don't. The The brain is the, uh, the best the mind, sound card uh, in the world. The mind. <laughs> <laughs> so it was released in on May the 10th, 1984, and it didn't sell well due to PC Junior's last cluster sales. And the PC Junior itself was discontinued in March 1985. However, it was re-released in DOS version in 1986 and 1987, and these versions were a lot more popular. Funnily enough, it was never released on the Commodore 64, which was pretty much the key home computing gaming system at the time. Do, do we know why? I mean, Sarah, uh, an American company um i don't know why it wasn't released on the commodore 64 i think it might have been something to do with memory usage or basically the commodore 64 didn't have the capabilities to run it maybe that's pulling it out of the back of my mind i'm not sure if that's the case maybe one of our listeners could tell us we'll be waiting a while <laughs> we will. so we'll get into the review in a minute and i'll be honest we are going to lovingly poke fun at the game at times especially its graphics and sound. However, actually, it was quite groundbreaking at the time. There were some innovations. For example, Stephen, did you know that it blew the minds of game players at the time that you could walk behind objects in the game? Uh, you mean rather than it just being static? Yeah, I suppose that would that would make sense. But then again, saying that, when um, Stevenson's rocket first um, started pulling people, they thought people's heads would explode, so they put up fences to stop ladies fainting at the sight of people exploding, even though it didn't, didn't happen. But, you got to take you know, precautions. Gotta, yeah. But no, I can understand why, if you're used to sort of static drawings, that uh, you can go behind. That was, I imagine they'd almost think that was practically 3D. Actually, funnily enough, it was called a 3D adventure in marketing at the time because you could walk behind objects. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. So that was a big innovation. In fact, in order to develop the game's groundbreaking interactive elements, a new game engine was developed by a gentleman called Arthur Abraham. He's one of the game programmers working on it. And it was called the Adventure Game Interpreter, or AGI. And that would power many of Sierra's adventure games of the 1980s. Now, although the graphics may seem crude to us today, like I say, you could walk behind things, which was new. They were bright, they were relatively high resolution for the time, they were colourful, they supported a 16-colour EGA palette, as opposed to the monochrome lines of uh, Mystery House. And more importantly, you actually had an avatar of your character on screen that you could move around using the keyboard at the time, because the mouse wasn't really a uh, commonly used computer peripheral back then. Later versions would include mouse support. But I think this is something which really connected people to the character on screen rather than just having it be a wall of text, essentially. Oh, no, I, th I think that's what really does separate uh, games from film and books. Um, whereas films, you're watching something and you get immersed in that way. Books, you are immersed in a way that you get into the, you get into the mind of a character. But games is the only sort of media platform where... You kind of get a bit of both. You sort of live vicariously through your character. 
you get into their in into the body of them really physically uh, and not only just by listening to the thoughts and their pre-designated things that you control them maybe to a pre-diagnosed uh, destination but you still control them you control their decisions you control their actions so to some extent they are an avatar of yourself which is something different something new so We'll get into the review now, I think. Shall we talk a little bit about our experience with the game? Yes, yeah, well, we'll start from uh, episode one, I suppose. Episode one. Well, the, our first. Uh... <laughs> Not the Phantom Menace. Ooh. Hey, I'm going to annoy people right off the bat here. I'm sorry, it's the best prequel. I'm just going to say that. Fair enough. Uh, Moving on. Pod racing, um, very good scene. Uh, fight sequence. On par, uh, and John Williams, absolutely fantastic soundtrack. So there we are. There we go. And it's also got Brian Blessed in it as well. So you can't go wrong if it's got Brian As <laughs> Boss Nass, it does. Not many people know that. Not not a lot of people know that. And it's inspired a lot of sort of um, like odd catchphrases, like there's always a bigger fish. <laughs> Classic lines. <laughs> oh, there are two of them. <laughs> right. Tangent, tangent. Okay, um, in terms of the uh, the game itself, we start off with a wonderful rendition in PC Speaker of Green Sleeves, which is reputed to have been written by who, Stephen? Henry VIII. Henry VIII is correct. Very good. Little did he know that his composition would one day be accompanying the first graphic adventure in 1984. Not only uh, music in lifts and antiphons. <laughs> <laughs> waiting on call <laughs> because your call is important to him. <laughs> Poor Henry would be spinning in his grave if... If he hadn't exploded on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> History lesson over. So... After the uh, the introduction screen, there's um, there's no introductory cutscene as far as we could tell. You start off that immediately did walking later on in the uh, later ver- adaptations because obviously you had the original version, which was the nine. We're, we're gonna get to that, Stephen. Oh, sorry, I'll let you <laughs> precursor. Sorry, that's okay. We will cover that later. I will come back to you. However, there's no introductory cutscene here. We just start straight off. There we are outside a castle in verdant green fields with a beautiful blue moat around it and some vicious crocodiles in the water. So I think it's important to actually state here that when playing this, neither of us had played this before. Is this correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah, I'd heard of it. I knew of it as a concept. Didn't know anything else of it. Yeah, I had had a a brief crack at it a few years before and when i say brief i mean brief i mean i didn't get off the first screen i tried to cross the bridge and fell in the moat and then continued to fall in the moat and get eaten by alligators and i didn't know how not to fall in the moat it turns out that you don't treat the bridge as though it's an actual 3d bridge what you have to do is just walk where the bridge obscures the moat on the screen and that that takes you across so that's what we we cross the bridge. And I suppose um, at a, an oblique angle, it t- throws you uh, throws you off a touch. It did. I wasn't quite sure what to do, but I figured it out this time. And we come to a giant door in the front of the castle, and we uh, come up to it, and we meet our first puzzle of the game, which is how do we open the door? Um, open door. <laughs> that's correct. We type which is a new experience for both of us. Um, we typed open door and the door opened. Perhaps you'd like to take us through what happened next? Um, we, well, yeah, we, we followed 
the corridor in. Well, we walked walked through the door. Uh, the screen changed. We're um, uh, given the view of a long corridor with uh, a bit of a junction at the end. Uh, you couldn't go anywhere else. It was just on L junction, really. Um, <laughs> it's not really a junction, is it? Then it's just a corner. No, it's uh, it's just a corner. <laughs> um, There's a long corridor with a corner in. Uh, but uh, that's where we see, I think, one of, the, one of the first times we see what you mentioned earlier, which is um, a chandelier or what looked like satin. Um, and you go underneath it or through. Yeah. Uh, so you, we are obscured by the chandelier to give a perspective of the camera angle. Well, yeah, it gives a perspective of the camera angle. But one thing that doesn't happen in this game, and I don't know if you noticed, is your character remains the same size throughout i was going to say that <laughs> the ca- uh, <laughs> the corridor um diminishes into the distance yes it does and you walk behind the chandelier however your character remains the same size so it almost looks as if you're growing as you reach the end of the corridor you had a very sort of weird alice in wonderland yes i was gonna say there was a there was an alice in wonderland vibe to it in which i wasn't quite sure whether we were going to fit through the door at the end once we got to it which actually was a puzzle later on in the game, but we'll get to that. Yes. <laughs> Little did we know. So anyway, we turn the corner at the end of the corridor and we are presented face to face with King Edward sitting in his throne with no subjects. An empty audience chamber. <laughs> exactly. As far as we can understand, he has no courtiers. He has no guards. He has no wife. He has no children. He has nobody. There is you and there is him. And these alligators, but they're outside. And the alligators, yes. And he's got a couple of suits of armour in the corridor prior, but we're not sure whether anyone was in those. What? Watch the episode. You'll, you'll... <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you approach the throne to King Edward and um, you talk to him. Well, we did anyway. And he gives you a quest. And the quest... It's the name of the game. It is the name of the game, although it wasn't originally. Well, uh, I think quest... it'd be very... Uh, uh, What's the word? It'd be very egocentric to call your very first game King's Quest One before it came out, uh, automatically assuming that <laughs> there'd be more. Dude, movies do this all the time today. You know, it's like the, take and games as well. Like take what's the PlayStation one that came out recently? Horizon colon Zero Dawn, and it's like that's a terrible. Oh yeah, name but that's a a, that's a secondary. That's that's the subtitle just call it horizon just call it right but they've put that in because it's clearly meant to be the first part of a series and it's like don't do that just call it give it a proper name the shorter the name the better that's my general rule for these sorts of things yeah fair enough games these games and movies these days have too many colons and hyphens and you know part ones i just can't be doing with it man Uh, i I don't mind sort of like part ones because sometimes it gives you more chance to tell a longer story that you'd have to cut into uh, a shorter period therefore probably losing more cinema uh, more more storytelling out of it but uh, we'll just cut we are, we are digressing uh, from we are digressing <laughs> so anyway king edward gives you your quest for the game he's very old and he tells you that if you do three things for him you will become the next king he will name you as his successor and those three things are um one is a shield uh, which can uh, deflect any blow of any power, I believe, or something along those descriptions. It can, and hasten to add, it's the quest is to get the shield. Uh, the another one is a mirror, uh, a mirror that will show you your. It's not your heart's desire. It's 
Nope. Yeah. It's not the mirror of Erisred. It is a mirror that shows not only your reflection, but a reflection of yourself. In the uh, future. And also the future. Thank you for having that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just a fucking mirror, man. It's like, get a mirror and it will show you your reflection. It's like, what, like that one on the wall? Yes. Yes. But, but not only that. <laughs> It will also... How do you know of the two-way mirror? <laughs> <laughs> You'll be able to see through it. The other person will not. <laughs> and, and the third. <laughs> My only experience with two-way mirrors was at uh, identity parades when I used to do police. I also used to do identity parades as well. Was, uh, it was good money when you were yeah, a teenager. God, yeah, like a tenner. Anyway, that aside. Do you know what interesting way to tell if it's a, du- a, du- a double mirror? Or not. If you put your hand or your finger to it, and with a normal mirror, um, you get a little bit of a gap because obviously the glass, uh, yeah, um, away from uh, the reflective. Yes, I understand. But yep. if your finger touches your finger, as it were, it's yep. a two-way mirror. That's fascinating, Stephen. Great. And what was the <laughs> right, third? So sarcastic. Yeah, that's yeah. Why do we need to know about two-way mirrors? If you're ever in a changing room and you feel like you met, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things. One of those. Maybe being watched. Big Brother, 1984. Oh, it's all comes full circle, full circle, like a coin. Which reminds me, third thing that we needed to find was a treasure, a treasure chest. It was. Uh, and what was special about this gold? treasure chest? Yes, it's got gold coins in it, and no matter how many gold coins you take out, it will always be full. So on these the three policy. These three items are given to us as our quest, and we set off into the wide blue yonder to go and find them. So, we will break down our experience of finding these three items and what we needed to do in order to do this. What was the first one that we found? I I forget, Stephen. Uh, I believe the first one we found was actually the mirror. Yes. Yes, it was the mirror. It was the mirror. Uh, In order to do that, I believe we had to... Oh, we had to find a well. Uh, no, we sorry, did. correction. We had to find a dagger first. Uh, yes, we, we did have to find a dagger. We the moors, pushed a rock, initially died. Uh, <laughs> via, came back. Uh, came back. Everybody's happy about that. It's because the rock was on a hill and we were stood under it. That was the problem. Yeah, it rolled on us and crushed us. There was, yeah, it didn't, the, 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 the graphics didn't really bring it home to me. The, the rock was on an incline, but apparently... It was. So you have to push the rock from the right, exactly the right angle. And then a hole opens up in the ground and out comes a beautifully gilded knife. Um, I think it, I think it described it as a brass dagger, even though the colour of it was uh, more of a silvery colour. But... I've said this to you before. Yes, only yes, I know you, you chastised me on the actual game as well. <laughs> um, no, um, we needed the dagger. Then we roamed after we mapped Davenport. Um, tree. Damn. After we mapped Daventry, um, we uh, found a well. Now, there are a couple of ways we could have done this. I don't know if you want me to go. Yeah, that's great. I'll go through it now. Um, we... Well, I think before we get to the well, one thing to say is that we were um, taking our time with the game, so to speak. It was taking a long time. The very first time we started playing it, we were basically just wandering aimlessly throughout the uh, out the land. Had no idea where we were going, just interacting with random stuff 
And uh, one thing when we started our second playthrough that really helped is we decided to map it out. Uh, choose your adventures, making your own maps. It's pretty much the thing that you have to do. Exactly, except this time it was my idea, Stephen. It wasn't your idea. I had sticky notes. <laughs> I don't actually know that is true. You had post-it notes. You would uh, sat there in your armchair with post-it notes in your lap trying to... <laughs> figure out exactly how to map out Daventry whereas I was more organized I put together an Excel document which I screen shared with Stephen and there we went hither and yonder mapping out where everything was and as soon as we had that down things start going a lot more quickly yes uh, yes uh, uh, we, we figured out which ones to avoid and pretty much find out where where we hadn't been which was yeah the, the main obstacle of it yeah there were three squares on it that had dodgy stuff in it so there's what was there? There was the ogre, yeah. who was like the fastest ogre you've ever seen in your life. And well, not that anyone's ever seen an ogre in their life, but yeah. we set our game speed to fast. So we were pretty fast moving, but this ogre was something else. He just moved across the screen in a blur and ate your bones. Uh, no, didn't it? I think, no, it, it crushed us, I believe. I think it squoses. Squoze? What, like, like a Corby trouser press? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, so there was the ogre, there was a, a, there was wolf. a wolf. There was. And there was a sorcerer who we um, we actually defeated uh, later on in the game by sheer chance. Uh, and there's also a witch, but we'll get to her. Well, good and... Well, so she was a good fairy, wasn't she? But no, that's beside the point. But uh, yes, um, the, one of the first articles was the mirror. In order to get to it, was down a well. And you, uh, you could use the dagger to... Well, use the handle to raise the uh, the bucket of water, <clears throat> mm -hmm. cut off the bucket, uh, and then lower the the rope down, and then climb down. That's how we did it. That is how we did it. Uh, what I found out is, after doing a touch of research, what you could have done is just lowered it down and then climbed down, or jumped in the bucket and it would have run, run down. Well, funnily enough, I think I did that at one point. Maybe not on the stream, but I think I was messing about at one point and it's that you the reason why it wouldn't work is because that's one of the bits that you could remember that it didn't work yeah you climb down and then you just end up sitting in the bucket and there's nothing you can do from there there, there are aspects of now this is where sierra would really bugger you up which is there are times where you could die or screw up the game and you had no idea because well, there you are didn't even there know that you died and cut the rope with a bucket on the end and then you've lost the rope and then you can't proceed Oh, you can't get down. Yeah, no, I, I get that. But yes, it's not that you can die and not realise it. Yes, but I want to say you, it's kind of like a system shock sort of thing. You've yeah, somehow... it's a dead end. Yes. Yeah, yeah, dead end. Um, So yeah, we were quite lucky with that. In fact, we were very lucky. In fact, we were considerably lucky. Luckier than I think is possible with some of the puzzles in this game. But we'll get to that. At this point, anyway, we went down the well and we went into the water. And Stephen had the wonderful idea to dive as... Lord Vulcan would say, <laughs> Dive! Is it Lord Vulcan? I can't remember. Well, I, um, I will point out, um, at the, we are, in the game, we are given, like, walk, jump, crouch, and dive. So, um, obviously, if you're treading water, we previously learned how to swim. <laughs> in, oh, yeah, uh, I forgot about that. So, uh, we didn't realise we could swim at first. We walked into the uh, into the sea and you just thrash about for a few seconds and then drown. But apparently if you type swim, Sir Graham suddenly remembers how to swim. Yes, but you have to do this Graham, every time. Greg, as we will yeah, call it. I call, 
I called him Sir Gregory for most of the game, but apparently his name is Sir Graham, I'm reliably informed. So you can type swim and he'll swim, but you have to type swim every single time that you go into the water, which uh, becomes a bit of a pain. But you can also type dive, and most of the time it doesn't do anything. But in this well, it does, and you dive down into the well. It is the only point in the game where you can. It is. And there is, at the bottom of the well, where there's a can of Coke and a A bottle bottle of something. These are entirely useless, and in fact, probably just there to distract you to try and make you drown because we took a look at them and he doesn't want them you can't pick them up what you do have to do is head to a hole in the wall at the uh, left hand side of the screen and that will take you to the dragon's chamber yes uh, and now in the dragon's chamber um well as you would find out there, there is a dragon breathing fire um shimmying up and down uh, and on one of the walls is a mirror. What a dragon is going to do with a mirror, I don't know. Well, he's certainly not going to look into the future with it. He probably should have seen this coming if that was the case. <laughs> yes. uh, now, how we dealt with this particular problem uh, was we took our dagger that we found under a boulder and we flung it. We yeeted it at said dragon. And um... We did. You've got to get close enough, though. You can't just yeet it from across the room. It's like, usually in these situations, what we ended up doing was typing in, you know, yeet dagger at dragon. Well, we didn't type that in because uh, I don't think the text parser would have understood the word yeet. I didn't understand the word yeet until we did this podcast what together, Steve. <laughs> Is this on Urban Dictionary? Is it actually a word? What it's what the yeets say. <laughs> Youth. It's a northern saying. So, yeah, type in throw dagger at dragon, but then you got to start walking towards him, and when you get close enough, hit enter. And uh, luckily, if he hasn't breathed fire in your face, you'll kill him. The dagger flies true and strikes him in the heart. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's good at uh, the old uh, dagger flinging, is uh, told uh, Sir... Sir Graham. Sir Graham. I still want to call him Greg. Uh, now, interesting enough, that's not necessarily the way to do it. For some reason, we were the only people who ever did this. We were the only one who ever, ever tried to use the dagger on the dragon. Well, it worked. Is that, is that not... So if you look up the walkthroughs, do they say don't do that? Uh, no. You, you, um, the, the bucket of water that we were wondering what we were supposed to do with, uh, you cut it off the rope, fill it with water, and you throw the water at the dragon. And he gets wet. Uh, no, he gets a mouthful of water. He gets all embarrassed. Um, and he embarrassed? Runs away. Yes, I, I, he runs away. It's, it's a shy dragon. Well, inside the lair is a massive boulder, which you can get to from the other side, but it says, oh, there's a massive boulder. But anyway, um, when it gets suitably embarrassed and is essentially uh, rendered powerless, uh, it runs away and moves the boulder uh, so you can exit via... That's how you're supposed to exit. You, uh, um, but obviously we picked up the mirror where, because we killed the dragon, he didn't move the boulder. So we went back into the well and jumped up the rope. Uh, that's... Which which worked fine. Wait, I was convinced wait, wait. we were going to die. Then I thought, like, we're not going to be able to get out of this well, are we? All's well that ends well. So, mirror in hand, we march off to glory, and uh, we go to find our next treasure. Which in this case was oh, I know what it was. It was the shield. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was the treasure chest. But on our look, uh, oh no, it um, was the treasure chest. Sorry, yeah. On our looking for. Um, the well what uh, roaming around we found other articles uh we bumped into a uh, another member of sir uh king what's his Edward. name 
King Edward's uh, kingdom, um, which was the elf. If you remember, oh the yes, elf. I forgot about this. Yeah. An elf who was um, pleased to find someone who was as friendly and polite as us, and gave us a magic ring. Well, we were nice to him. We talked to him. Yes, we didn't try and kill him. Gave us a magic ring, uh, which which we never used. No, it was one of the many um, items in the game, which was a um, a sape, as it were. What's a sape? Uh, S A I P. Solve all immediate problems. Right. Okay. And uh, which meant uh, there was uh, there was a number of those items: um, uh, a spell, uh, a magic ring, even the dagger was. Okay, um, so they could be all be used in different situations in order to get. Yeah, they were a general MacGuffin to get you out of a situation. Okay, so immediately then we can see the puzzle design in this game is somewhat a little bit more crude or different, at least to later games where very specific items and specific combinations of items are planned for specific puzzles here it's like well you've got these tools you could use this for that or you could use that for that you don't have to you could do it this way if you wanted it's different it's different yes yeah um um i mean if you wore your ring uh for example and you encountered the uh the ogre it would have disappeared it wouldn't have known you were there right okay but we didn't do that we didn't wear the ring. We took the hyper-lethal approach. Yes, it was very, it was very much a non-lethal. I believe you could have possibly used it against the dragon. Uh, and also, uh, in order to get uh, get past the giant, but we'll talk about the giant. Um, uh, the leprechauns, do you mean? No, well, yes, but also the giant. But we'll, we'll, um, we'll come to that, as it were. So, um, in order to get magic ring aside, um, we also climbed a tree, found a golden egg. Oh, we found lots of stuff. Did we ever use the golden egg? No. I, I will explain. Um, I'll explain that afterwards. We found a walnut, uh, but it wasn't an old Reno walnut. It was a golden walnut, and uh, well, I think it, the, the entire tree had golden walnuts, rendering the whole chest full of gold irrelevant. But that's by the by. Uh, what else did we? No, we found a uh, pouch of gems as well. Yeah, in a tree stump. In a tree stump. We also found a random bowl in the middle of a field. We did, yep. That'll be important later. However, shall we carry on? No, no, no. Um... I'll, I'll let you. I just thought I wanted to tell you about the magic ring just so I could use it as reference later on. Yes. So, in order to um, to get the uh, chest, it is um, in the possession of a giant who lives in the sky. And in order to get to the sky, you need to find some magic beans to grow a beanstalk. And in order to find those magic beans, you need to meet a gnome on an island which is protected by trolls now the way that you do this is that you find a goat in an enclosure elsewhere along uh, along your trails and uh, you have to persuade this goat to come with you now at first i think well the first thing we did was we killed the goat i think wasn't it yes we threw the dagger at everything we did we yeeted the goat our, our aim was true once again and uh, the goat died. So had we stuck with that, I don't know if we'd have been able to complete the game. But at the time, I said... Um, use the water. What, against the troll? Oh, 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 sorry, yeah. There is a way, there is a way but I'll, I'll let you get up to that. Okay, you've done your research on this, and it's good to see. So anyway, after reloading and uh, not killing the goat, we um, plucked a juicy carrot from uh, King Edward's carrot patch, and we took it back to the goat, and he ate it. And then he wouldn't come with us. So you had the idea that it might be a better idea to just show him the carrot 
and then he may follow you, which is exactly what happened. I did not even, had not considered even using the verb to show in our text parser adventure. What gave you that idea? It's, as I described on the video, it's what you would do in order to get someone to follow you. It's the whole carrot and stick thing. Uh, dangle a carrot in front of a donkey. Yeah, it worked anyway. The donkey followed us. We took him to the bridge, and he uh, butted the troll right off that bridge. And then he buggered off. Classic I don't know where he Grim went. Fairy Tales. <laughs> I think it, I think the uh, text was, um, as everybody knows, uh, goats are, uh, and trolls are mortal enemies, <laughs> or something along those lines. Yeah, so this got us across the bridge. But prior to this as well, I might as well say, because this is uh, an important clue that we found, we found a um, a gingerbread house. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, that was what I was going to say. So Grimm's fairy tales and folklore in general turned out to be a very useful uh, source of uh, knowledge in this game. I've heard that a lot of the puzzles in this game are pretty difficult. And to be honest, I think some of them were, but I think it helped enormously that we're both familiar with those old folk tales so things like the next puzzle involving the gnome and the puzzle involving the witch were not as moon logic insane impossible puzzles as they might have been otherwise yes uh, um that, that's something you know you, you'd i mean when you first saw the uh, the troll we'd already encountered the goat the first thing you said was oh, obviously we need to get the goat to the troll because that's what happens in the fairy tale exactly and same again when we entered the gingerbread house, which is what you were about to say. Yeah, so um, we came across the gingerbread house, we come in, there's nobody there, but we can hear in the distance some cackling about how um, we're going to be cooked and eaten. So the witch is clearly on her way back. And uh, in the house we found, well, a dungeon. I'm not quite sure what that was used for, apart from... Do you know what it is? But I'll come back to that. Fair enough. We found a note... This this was this 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 is the stupidest bit of the game. This is the dumbest part. Of it. This makes no sense. So there's a note in the witch's bedroom that says sometimes it helps to think backwards. That's all it says. It's in the witch's house. It has no context and no relation to any other puzzle in the game that we can tell at this time. It's just a note. So we spent a large portion of our time just trying things backwards uh, because that's something which it suggested so that is also rather amusing <laughs> uh yeah i suppose so so we're sort of moonwalking across the kingdom of daventry trying to <laughs> solve our puzzles anyway the witch finally we found com- cheese as well oh we found cheese yeah which i know we did use that later so yeah we found cheese which is important the witch comes back she's gonna cook us in the oven so we figure we've got to get out of here or we've got to kill her she goes and stands in front of her hot burning stove and basically leans over and invites us to come and kick her up the backside and push her into the oven uh, which is exactly what we did and we're informed that we were courageous for pushing an old lady into an oven now depending on which there is a pacifist run so you don't necessarily have to kill the witch but she is usually the one that kind of gets killed i mean right how can you get past her without dying you put the ring on what no what you can do is if you know what you're looking for just go in steal the cheese and go out because if you already know what the note says as you say it's point you don't really need the note why would you already know what the note says yes um because you don't need the note to know the clue if that makes sense it's just there as a reminder no no, no i understand that it's, yes okay i get that but we you know we, it was our first time playing so we couldn't have known that 
Um, the the reason why that we, we spent quite a bit of time trying to look what the bars were for, that's if you get caught. Oh, so the witch can catch you and she put catches you, in jail. you. Yeah, you go you go on a, a bit of a broom ride and she dumps you in there and you just left. Can you get out? Nope. That's it. You left. That's you the end left. of the game. Uh, no, it's not the end. Doesn't tell you it's the end. <laughs> but but it is the end. You can't do anything. Yeah, you can't do anything. You're just there. Does she ever come to eat you? No, no. no you just. Oh, I, th- you I think just there might be a thing there. where she they just eventually pop up and say you you're now going to be eaten. But there's nothing you can do. It's. Mm. I see. It would be helpful if when they dropped you in there, it said that's the end of the game. Reload. Now, depending on which version you have, we had the 1987 DOS version. Uh, I think the very first one, it won't. Mm. The one we played, which is the 1987 seven. version. Na- what did I say? Um, seven, that's right. Oh, right, 1987. Um, they brought it back out <clears throat> and they made it slightly more bearable if you did do something wrong. And one of the main things was the uh, the secondary, the, the more difficult puzzle, but I'll get to that when we, when we, when we discuss it. Oh, no. no, 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 no. That's That was in the 1990 version. That was in the remake, which we'll get to, because we tried doing that thing which anyway we'll get to it so once you've got the cheese and you've got the note and you've killed the wicked witch you can exit that and then finally make your way over to the bridge which the troll is no longer inhabiting and i will point out if uh you had killed the goat yep you can bribe the troll on a one-off occasion with a pouch of gems oh really yes i didn't know that oh okay is there a specific occasion which you have to bribe? Uh, no, you can give it one. You can give it once, and you can cross the bridge. Once. Oh, but then he comes back. Okay, yeah. right. Well, hang on. Can you get back over the bridge? I believe you can, but it's one of those things. If you go away and say, if you didn't know the, if you didn't have the note, and you'd and you went to find, then you couldn't get back, and it didn't tell you that, so you were screwed again. Okay, so so you get over the bridge. You meet a gnome in a lean-to, which. My wife laughed at me because I didn't know what a lean-to was. Apparently, it's some sort of shack. You thought it was his walking stick. I, I wait, yeah. Makes sense. You lean on it, and you know, uh, but well, when you thought when you, you mentioned it, might be the shack, I thought, yeah, I've heard of lean-tos, and when it comes to bars, so mm, I should have. I hadn't heard of them. Anyway, he's in a lean-to, and he's wandering. Around. One thing that is really annoying: the characters in this game just wander about quite fast and quite annoyingly and it doesn't allow you to speak to them or interact with them unless you're within this particular distance so you have to chase them all over the bloody map to try and actually talk to them so in what you end up having to have to do is actually type in talk to whoever and then chase them around the map and when you get within a hair's breadth of them press enter yeah just one thing which did annoy me particularly was that i don't think it was only you playing i was i was um helping you with it but i don't know what the controls were like so it's i i can see how frustrating that might have been it was frustrating yeah i was the one in control you were the, my um you know man in the van so to speak driver <laughs> feeding me clues so anyway once you finally manage to catch up with this uh rather uh, sprightly gnome he informs you that he has a very important useful thing that he was going to give you but he'll only give you it if you can guess his name so my first reaction to this was, well, this is just stupid. I mean, what, Dave? I've, I've no idea. And then Stephen remembered the fairy tale, didn't you? Well, actually, I was being somewhat sarcastic. I, I actually said it as a joke. What, Rumpelstiltskin? 
because we'd been talking about fairy tales. And I was like, Ooh, who the hell does he think he is? Rumpelstiltskin. It turned out he was. <laughs> ah, but it wasn't. It was Rumpelstiltskin's lesser known Welsh cousin. <laughs> anyway. Um, exactly. So we typed in Rumpelstiltskin and it gave us something of a clue that we were on the right track by him saying, no, that's not right, but, you know, you're close. So we were like, okay, try spelling it a different way and that didn't work either. In fact, what was the first thing that we called him? I think old man bastard shenanigans. <laughs> I can't even remember now. So we were use- We only had three goes in which to do this. After the three goes, he buggers off and gives you a golden key, which in retrospect may have actually been easier. But we're going to stick with this for now. So yes. we reloaded, we went back, we tried Rumpelstiltskin, no luck. And then it came to us, ah, maybe we need to be thinking backwards. backwards. So we tried Rumpelstiltskin backwards. <laughs> Whatever. Nick, Nick, whatever. So we tried that, and he says, your thinking is right, but you're not quite there yet. And I'll be honest, I never would have been there. <laughs> this would not have occurred to me, but Scoutmaster, lateral thinker over here. Well, the thing is, um, it, um, what, what, what I was thinking how I, I thought about it, and I have played a lot of games. And I realized that I played a Sherlock Holmes game uh, and I can't remember what it was, but one of the things is a cipher and it's pretty much the same puzzle where you just, I think they give you a code word and you rearrange, you pretty much swap the alphabet round. Uh, so somewhere in the back of my head, that was there. Uh, so all we needed to do was instead of the word being backwards, it was the letters that were backwards. So where you'd have A, uh, you'd, uh, it, you'd transpose that into Z. Uh, B would be X. C would be... We get it. Yeah, sorry. I was... <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, so this is... In would be... Would be if and cover... Which it was, and that was the answer. And luckily, we didn't have to transpose the whole alphabet because I had a setting on my mechanical keyboard which reversed the alphabet already because you can rebind your keys on it. And I'd done this for fun. And um, when I first got it a few years ago, I'd like made A, Z, and B, Y. Yeah. Why? Uh, yes, I, I got my alphabet. <laughs> you did get that wrong. I explained it, yes. I was hoping nobody was going to point it out. <laughs> so I was able to just type it in really quickly. And there we go. We got it right. And I maintain to this day, and people agree with me, that Stephen had prior knowledge of this puzzle. But he maintains he didn't. No, generally didn't. Uh I will I, I, I only say that I have played, uh, say, like Sherlock Holmes game, yep. where there's a similar puzzle-ish. Okay. Well, I will leave it to our dear viewers to decide whether that is the case or not. I trust my friend and colleague implicitly, so even though I can't believe it, I believe you. Thank you. No problem. But thank you. No, 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 I genuinely do. I do believe you. Anyway, we solved the puzzle, and he gave us the beans... And uh, we'd noticed that there was a very fertile patch of land nearby as well, hadn't we? That the flowers were growing in. Yes. So we went there and we planted them and they grew a beanstalk up to the sky. And so began the absolute worst part of the fucking game in history. This was was just hellish. This was evil. And I can't imagine... If you were... I, I mean, I'm sorry. 
back when this was released on the PC Junior, you know, when it was in 1984, people didn't have hard drives. There was no save space. You had floppy disks that you couldn't write to. So if you died, you had to start the fucking game again. I couldn't believe this. It's so essentially there's a beanstalk. It's up. It's going up into the sky. There's like three to four screens of it. And it's not so simple. You know, you climb beanstalk um, and he hops on at the bottom. So you think, all right, press up, climbs up, climbs up, climbs up. Good enough. Next screen climbs up, climbs. Oh, you've made an error or a slight mistake. You fall all the way to the bottom and you die. And there's nothing on. There's no clear indication on the beanstalk itself that there's dangerous parts of it. There's parts you can't climb. It's just I mean. The resolution of this game is super low, so it's basically a mess of pixels, and you well, have to. You were always on that. You were always on the beanstalk. You would understand if maybe you'd maybe yeah, moved gone off to or the or gone into the wide blue yonder. But no, I'm always on the beanstalk. It's just there are some pixels which will kill you, and there are some pixels which will not kill you, and you just have to know. I I, I don't know anything about that in my research. It's just everybody's always. It's almost. It's is almost it notorious. As as, uh, as the Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> you just have to know intuitively which pixels will kill you and which ones won't kill you. And even if you did know which pixels would kill you and which ones wouldn't kill you, actually controlling your fucking man to make sure he doesn't go on the pixel that'll kill you is impossible anyway. So it's just the absolute worst. It's not even a puzzle. It's just a, you know, sadistic gauntlet. That's, that, that's things I don't like about... Um, point and click adventures where it kills you for no reason for clicking in the wrong place what oh. anyway eventually we managed to do this but i had to turn off the actual recording because it took like 20 minutes and i essentially had to go a pixel at a time and save it every single time i got to a new pixel and do it by trial and error it was just there's no way that you could have done this well, I'm sure some people did, but there's no way you could have done this and remained sane before being able to save uh, every single moment. Awful. You went and got a drink, didn't you? Yeah, I'm going to go about three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So anyway, once that particular fun part of the game is over, you uh, you ascend to the clouds, to the top of the beanstalk, and you are in Cloudland, where you've got to watch your step because you may walk off into the clouds and fall. Uh, in a very hilarious manner. Yeah, it was quite comedic when we did walk off the cloud. He kind of tumbles, somersaults head, head over heels. About, do a barrel roll about three times. But if you manage to avoid that, you will soon come across a giant clutching a chest. And I assume this giant would kill you if he caught up with you, but I didn't. we didn't hang about to find out, did we? It's a very slow-moving giant. Yeah, so we were quite very able to outmaneuver him. Considering his leg length you'd think he'd be able to uh, to walk a bit faster but we were able to outmaneuver him and we found amongst the clouds a sling which obviously brings uh, to mind Sarah has a, has a habit of hiding things in holes in trees it does or in, Although trees, the, or in logs the very first hole in the tree that you pointed out didn't have anything in it though and i thought you were just being ridiculous you're like there's a hole in that tree go and look at it i was like this is stupid but turns out they do hide a lot of things in trees and logs and holes there's nothing in that hole but your your thinking was correct there were many other things in many other holes and in this tree hole there is a slingshot which obviously brings to mind the myth of david and goliath absolutely not 
necessarily a, a, a grim fairy tale. No, I'm not no. quite sure where that uh, lives in the uh, pantheon of children's stories. No, me neither. But anyway, in order to kill the giant, you need a rock, which I thought we'd picked one up earlier at the Pebble Beach, which is one of the screens in the main area. But it turns out we hadn't, or we dropped it, or it fell out while we were diving down a well. I'm not quite sure what happened. But anyway, we had to go all the way back down this long, tortuous Moria-like staircase to get out of this locked door at the bottom, which we could open from the inside. Along the way, we were accosted by a dwarf. Lost the puzzle to Rumpelstiltskin, he would have given us a key to that door. Yes, that's what I figured, which would have been so much easier. But we wouldn't have got as many... Uh, hmm. Do you want to climb the impossible beanstalk, or would you like a key to a staircase? <laughs> so, we met a dwarf on that staircase. I don't know what he did. We ran away from him and never saw him again. Yes, he is one of the few uh, characters... Well, he's the only character that uh, can appear in multiple uh, screens. At once. Is he like uh, a, bi- like a but... bilocating dwarf? I believe that might be the... Um... The term for <laughs> his misdemeanor. The PC term. <laughs> <laughs> but if um, if you've got some golden bits and pieces on you, such as your golden egg, your pouch of your pouch, mm. uh, your golden walnut, or even your treasure chest, um, he will steal it. Oh, and he steals what? your items, and therefore you lose points, and you can't get them back. What? You can't complete the game if he steals your mirror. Well, I'm glad that we didn't hang about there, then. Well, to be fair, it, all we saw was this horrifically fast-moving small thing. So <laughs> exactly. She, she Just run away. Right now. <laughs> well, exactly, you know. It's bloody dwarves. Apparently, um, you're supposed to encounter him a, a few more times. Well, I, I guess we were uh, lucky, no, then. We, we only encountered him once, so we were lucky in that respect. Yep. And he didn't steal our shit, so... That's if good. we had a spell on us from the fairy godmother hmm. uh that would have also dispelled him as well okay uh, i think we could also go invisible i.e sape solve all immediate problems yeah and that would have sorted it too although i'm not sure if you could have like, yeeted a dagger at him fast moving small targets are the hardest things to hit true but uh yes uh, that was to get down or and or back up again yeah so we went and picked up a pebble from the beach went back up to cloud city or wherever it is and we um we killed the giant i assume that we didn't have to. I assume he died in vain. Uh, what you can do, which is really... Sh- I'm not sure how you'd figure this out, but you can wait him out. As in, you, if you can just out-dodge him constantly for a, well, for a couple of... For about five minutes, he gets tired, falls asleep. Oh, you just go up to him and <laughs> he's chasing you. Around you, like- you bloody person, you're coming on my lawn, stealing all my chairs and Oh, man. So tired. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sleep. Let's not go there. No, I'm so sleepy, South man. Park reference. I know it. It's not Stephen's not being racist. Uh, yes. Uh, no. Um. Apparently, there is a way. If there's a certain tree that you can ha- stand behind, and it can't get you. Okay. Because of the way it's uh, maneuvering. Well, we killed him, and I frankly I feel good about that. So uh, you can wait till it falls asleep and steal his treasure chest. That we ridded. Daventry of a threat and got the tre- treasure chest. So I think we performed a double service. Would it be Daventry if it's above Daventry? Um, or would you cut it as its airspace? Yeah, it's in its airspace. It's like, you know, Britain owns all of the air above it until space, I think. 
how far down? How far up? You mean? No, I mean, I, I mean, obviously we own open, but how far down do do we own? I mean, I've got a, I own a house. I mean, how far down do I own? Well, just to the core of the earth. And then there's some mad Australian going, that's mine. Exactly. Down under. But by that point, it's like your actual uh, thing that you own is minuscule. It's like an atom. Anyway, away from that tangent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Almost a literal tangent off the surface of the earth. Yes, <laughs> it was laid. Like the globe. <laughs> like the earth. So you... Uh, you, you We've got our second treasure We've now. got the treasure chest. So now all that's needed is the shield. And in order to do this, we need to go to the kingdom of the leprechaun. Um, however, before we do this, we need some protection in the form of a four-leaf clover, which can be found just growing in a field in Daventry. And you just go and pick it up. And that will mean that the leprechauns don't... Well, I'm not sure what they'd do if you didn't have it. They'd just attack you. They'd probably attack you. So anyway, they, they get hypnotized by the power of the clover if you have one. So you get your clover. You also need something to further entertain them, which is a fiddle. And in order to get that, you have to take it from the woodcutter who owns it. Now, the woodcutter and his wife are very poor, and their shack is very run down. In fact, it's quite dangerous. If you walk on the holes in the floor, you die. However... I think it describes it as uh, dismal and dreary. Yes. Their only possession... Their oh, that might be the ma- ma- name of the man and woman. Their, their one prized possession is a beautifully polished fiddle, which... Sir Graham is far too much of an honourable gentleman to steal, even though we told him to about seven times. In various guises. <laughs> we tried to massacre them. We tried to just, you know, pick it up and run out before they noticed. I we think we'd even diversion. tried throwing a dagger at them at one point. <laughs> we did. Well, we tried that on everything. Most of the time it worked. But not in this case. He was far too, you know, he took pity on these poor folk. And in order to get the fiddle, you need to give them something of worth in return. And this thing of worth, frankly, they could have found it themselves, really, because it's a bowl that's just lying around on the floor. I think it was like two, two, two screens, screens away, away. Yeah, in a field. Yeah, it's just lying there. Phil's bowl. Left. He clearly had it on his lunch. Maybe he'd been cutting the grass Looping or something. <laughs> and left it there but no you pick up this bowl and it says phil at the bottom not phil as in the name it says the word phil f-i-l-l and all you do funnily enough if you type in phil bowl it doesn't work you just have to type in phil and when you type that in the bowl magically fills full of stew and you take this stew to the woodcutter and his wife and they're so thrilled that they have a magically filling bowl that they give you their fiddle now uh we have um, the whole point of the game is to get as many points as you possibly can out of 150 really i thought the whole point of the game was to save daventry and become the king yeah main thing is about points okay um we didn't do very well then. the completionist okay um out of uh, 158 i think we only got 140 no we got less than 100... that we got like i think we got 139 maybe 134 oh anyway I think it might have been... no no it was 134 because you t- said let's get 25 more points and i said you can't get 25 more points now I'll, I'll come to that at the very end um now if what how, how as jim quite rightly said we found it we saw that the bowl said fill f i double l on it so we instantly thought we'll fill it up. But you get more points if you offer them the bowl empty and then you show them, you, you say, fill. It fills them, it, it, it pretty much tells them that they have got a never-ending bowl. 
Although, uh, what otherwise we did they was, think they've just we got just a bowl of stew. We just give them a bowl of stew. Right, so they'll... We didn't give them a never-ending, but They'll what? eat the we... stew, and then they'll be like, well, let's make a new fiddle out of this bowl, because <laughs> we quite like the old it's one got, we It's got three of the letters of fiddle in it. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Uh... Well, I said, you get more points, uh, practically double the points, for filling the bowl up in front of them. Really? That's fascinating. Yes. I didn't know that. Is it, is it, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, fill a bowl for a man, you know, and he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fill a bowl magically. <laughs> teach a man, teach a woman to fill and he'll run off with him. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they, they, they get the bowl and they give you the fiddle in return. And then you need to get to the actual land of the leprechauns. And there's one, there's one square on the map, which we couldn't get to. It was like, you know, blocked off by mountains or by river forks and all sorts of stuff and we could only see part of what we assumed was this island which was over the river there's a mushroom but we can't get to it because the river's full of rapids so we need to find a way to get over the obstacles and i had thought well one way we could get there is i've seen the hobbit i know how frodo and uh, sam could have actually got to mount doom is they just hop on the back of the eagle I think we made that joke about three or four times before we actually tried it. <laughs> we did, yes. But yeah, there's so on one of the screens next to the cave that the dragon is inside, um, there's a friendly bird which comes and flies around a lot and keeps sort of like coming down like it's going to pick you up, but it never fully makes it. And this is the only place in the game, I believe, where you actually are required to actually use your jump function would that be correct yes yes it is so this is a key in the game i think it's plus or something like that which, which you can press which actually allows sir graham to jump which is never used anywhere else but here if you get in the right position and you time it just right you can jump up and the bird will catch you and fly off into the wild blue yonder so when you're flying over in the sky hang on why can't he fly you to cloud island uh, altitude fair enough yeah it was a long beanstalk as to have to say uh, everyone knows over four thousand feet eagles explode which is why they couldn't get to mount doom because it's too high i don't know I, i'll stop asking you these difficult questions as we're flying over i said look around and um i was told that i see nothing special uh <laughs> a magical eagle is flying me in the sky over the kingdom of daventry and then he, he doesn't land... For being a friendly bird, he drops you from quite a height uh, onto this square, and there's a hole in the ground on it. But we knew that just off-screen to the left, because of our map, was that mushroom we wanted to investigate, didn't we? Yes. So before we went down knowing the hole... Knowing it is the game, it was going to be useful for something. Exactly. So before we went down the hole, we went left, and we picked the mushroom up, and then we went down the hole into the land of the leprechauns. I want to say out that it was very much a hole there was no rope it was just a great big hole that we fell down very evident we weren't getting back up again no there was no way out of this hole the only way through was forwards really so that's where yes. we went, yeah, we went yeah. forwards and before we met the leprechauns we came across a giant rat which was rather threatening but of course we had our cheese so we just fed the cheese to the rat and he was quite now, this is another him. aspect where you could have either if we still had our dagger we, we could have, have yeeted, him. yeeted it at the uh, rat or we could have used our uh, magic ring to get past invisibly yep 
Yes. Also, what we did forget, uh, we forgot to mention that we've all, one of the screens we found a fair a fairy godmother that we've referenced her earlier. We uh, did, the fairy yeah. godmother um, put a spell on us. She gave us a one-shot protective spell. Okay, against anything. Against anything. Um, yeah. As I say, it was a solve all immediate problems if you got attacked by the the little uh, treasure thief, the little dwarf. Um, I think it would also work against the wolf and the ogre. Well, I think it, if you went on those screens, they just didn't turn up. Right, okay. So, yeah, we used it against the sorcerer, didn't we? That's what we did. Yes, uh, because it's a, a magically inclined uh, subwoofer. I think it was supposed to be a bit of a... Um, did you just speak French? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, because we uh, have a, a bit of a tete-a-tete with the uh, sorcerer. Um, the fairy uh, godmother's... Uh, Magic was far too powerful for it, so we that's how you defeat it. It was just purely for something more interesting than it just not appearing. Well, the, but the sorcerer yes, didn't... You... Sorry, go on. No, no, I was going to say, you could have uh, used it against the the, uh, the giant as well. Oh, and the giant, okay, yeah. Because the sorcerer didn't really have any other function other than to be defeated when we played it. It's like we just walked on and he tried to put spells. spell. I think we didn't encounter it much. I think it just up and killed us or something like that. Yeah. But anyway, so we, we use the cheese on the rat, which I think is a more pacifist thing than eating the dagger at it. Um, surely we got more points for that. I want to say, if, if we were under the uh, charm of the fairy, do- fairy dog mother, fairy godmother, uh, it would have helped us on that as well. Okay. So once the rats had his cheese and left us alone, we can uh, make it through the door. Now, was there a key to this door? Could we just open it? Nope. Nope, no key. So we open the door, we go in, and we're in the land of the leprechauns. And there's two leprechauns having a bit of a, a hoolie, or whatever you call it, in uh, in this room, uh, doing cartwheels and a bit of a dance. And they immediately stop when you walk in and turn towards you. Now, if you don't have the clover, I assume they attack you. Yes, they do. They essentially kill you. Yeah. However, protected by the power of the clover, they just sort of stand there. And... I don't know what was in the next room. I assume there might have been more leprechauns. Um, I don't think... No, I don't think there are. It was just yeah. the... Sh- the, the I want to say goblin shaman. No, the leprechaun Throne emperor. Room. Yeah. But either way, in the room that we were, we thought we'd play them a, a tune on the fiddle because, you know, they're leprechauns. Well, just, they're like Yes, again, with everything, it's us trying everything and also because we thought it'd be funny too because we it's would. very much the archetype of fiddle meh. irish yeah i'm yes. i'm a quarter irish so i can i can say that but the fiddle sends them into a mad what's the word i'm looking for dancing frenzy yeah a mad frenzy of dancing and they dance right off the screen and out of the kingdom of the leprechauns and they leave the very literally foot loosies out of there they do it is actually a little bit like the leprechaun footloose <laughs> It's like they've been uh, yeah, buttoned down, and... you know. The, the the king's been like, oh, you know, dancing's not for leprechauns. That's just what that's what the fairies do. Then the fiddle comes in, you know. Us Kevin Bacon comes to town, and we play our fiddle Shows and do it exactly. And they all they all dance off and leave the king on his own. And the king literally sits there and he's like, well, I'm still king, but there's no one here really. You know, probably best go. <laughs> so he just gets up and leaves. I think he says, oh, um lead by example or something uh or he's yeah not yeah sure. yeah if you, if you didn't play the fiddle he'd have just been sat there he so how do you get the uh, shield off do him everything if... else but uh, if he leaves he leaves his scepter and gaining the scepter 
uh, gets you more points. Ah, right. Okay. So, yeah, we picked up points there then because the king left and we just walked up and claimed his scepter and his shield. In fact, we essentially at this point were king of the leprechauns. We could have just stayed there. Um, but uh, lent against his, shall we say, mundane throne in comparison to <laughs> our own king. Uh, but uh, lent against his throne is our final treasure, which is the shield. It is, yes. Which, for some reason, the, the leprechaun emperor not only left the scepter, but also just left a priceless artifact behind. I think he was just, you know, shell-shocked by the rapid departure of his entire race. It might very well have been because uh, we, we played a very good fiddle. Um, it's like that woman who does... Um, you know, it plays video game songs on a fiddle. You've lost me. Never mind. Um, yeah. So we have got all our three treasures now, so it's time to make our way back to King Edward. However, as we know, there's no way out the way we came in, so we just have to push on forward through another door. And this brings us to a small hole in the wall, which we can't fit through, even if we crouch which I thought might be the solution because we hadn't used crouch at all. You don't use crouch in anything else. No, it's not used. It's not there. But anyway, you can't get through this hole. And then you had the Alice in Wonderland idea, didn't you? Yes. It's, as I say, it just seemed quite obvious to me. Yeah. So if you eat the mushroom, the mushroom magically makes you small. Um, but what I did realise, it only makes you small for a very short time. So if we'd have yeah. hesitated or dicked around, we'd have got big again. And you can die if you don't get out of the hole. I was going to say, can you? What if you're like halfway through it and then you get big? Oh, uh, you uh, get big, but then you are toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, like when the rock gets you. It just yeah, so you, you are squoze from the middle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm kind of sad we missed out on that. Anyway. Mm. Anyway, we were made very little, we came through, we were made big again, and we made our way back to King Edward, through those double doors, up that corridor, round the bend, and uh, up to his throne. And what we didn't do when we were at his throne was what we should have done the first time, because it would have got us more points. And what was that, Stephen? We should have uh, yielded fealty and bowed our head. We should have. But Sir Graham kneels to nobody, so <laughs> he is... On a quest to become supreme ruler. And he was not disappointed. <laughs> no, he wasn't disappointed. He's taken on one kingdom. He's taken on the kingdom of the leprechauns and defeated them with the power of the fiddle. He has. And now, yeah, if we'd have bowed, I think we'd have got six more points at both ends. And that might have taken us up to 158. However, we did not bow. You can get, I want to say with all your points, a maximum of 159. But it says on the top that it's out of 158. I know. So it's not out of 158. No, you can get extra. That's, but what, that doesn't make sense. Why does it say out of 158 then? Is that an error? Did they make a mistake? No. Or is it just like there's one secret point that you can get? That's it. It's pretty much you can get more points than is normally allocated. Okay. So I've got the point list up here. The thing that we, do you know what thing we did that got the most points? Uh, was it the dagger? Uh, nope. Uh, Killing the dragon? No, 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 no. Oh, actually, no. Well, the, the, the tree. So, no, you get eight points, I think, for each of the uh, the key things that you get. So the mirror chest and shield. So they're, oh, okay. the, they're the key things that get you eight points each. But 
apart from those things which we have to do to complete the game, what do you think the uh, the highest point score was? Ooh, uh, ooh, the goat troll turmoil. No, oh, it was pushing the witch in the oven. Oh. To yeah. be fair, we didn't have to do it. So we yeah, that makes it. sense. That got you seven points, and you would also we'd also have got seven points if we'd have waited for the giant to fall asleep. Oh right, which we uh, which we did not. So that would be the pacifist. Oh no, it wouldn't be the pacifist run. You can't get maximum points on a pacifist run. Why? Because you wouldn't be able to push the witch in the oven. That's true. Yeah. Ooh, Sierra, you tricksy mistress. Now that's a, <laughs> that's a dilemma. But you know, she's an evil witch. It's fine. It's like the the giants probably just misunderstood. Whereas if you didn't kill the witch, then she would kill other people. So essentially, you would be responsible for murder by acts of omission. Possibly. Think of the children. Sorry, maybe there's no. That's the reason why there's nobody else in the kingdom. She's eaten them all. She's eaten them all because no one's dealt with her. If there was a train on a track about to run over ten people, and you could push a fat man in front of it to derail it and kill him, would you do it? Uh, Assuming you could push the fat man. Why? Well, I'm going to say give him <laughs> the fat man. On... <laughs> I would get a carrot on a stick. Forklift. And... <laughs> carrot <laughs> the carrot would be the stick uh, sorry sorry i've i'm i'm not the uh, the lightest person myself so <laughs> i'm in no position to uh, to make fun anyway after you have bowed to king edward for, a, for the last time you talk to him and he knows you've got the treasures you don't have to give them all to him separately and he simply stands up stands aside thanks you for your uh, fealty and for uh, completing the quest and uh, then he snaps in half. Does he not? Does he determine that the kingdom is yours? Oh yes, before? yes, yes. He get, he he says, you know, you have the throne. Essentially, number one, you have the throne. And then he dies. As he's telling you, you're the king. He goes, oh, in pain. And then literally, he snaps like a twig. It's really, really bizarre. He collapses like a deck chair, doesn't he? Yeah, he, goes, he, do- <laughs> he does especially when you're playing in fast mode it's extra funny <laughs> it's like a mouse trap going off or something <laughs> uh, it's rather comical and I, I assume it's supposed to be like very serious and moving but uh, but it's not at all we just both burst out laughing at our dear king's demise and then so graham now king graham takes his crown dons it sits down on his throne and that's it ruler of two kingdoms but one is unknown and you'd think the game would end but it doesn't you just sit there there's no ruminating on the quest past exactly but you can't do anything you can't type anything in into your text parser but the game hasn't ended you're just sitting on the throne until you just have to leave the ruler of your own kingdom and nobody which else. if you've gone through the murder happy spree there's about three people yeah a woodcutter his wife and an ogre somewhere can you kill the ogre? <laughs> yeah. i don't know if you can kill the oh, ogre. And an elf and a happy elf a happy elf and so yeah that's it uh that's the game and um what did you think um, i really enjoyed uh, actually yeah uh, i really enjoyed it. it was it was simple um but there was uh, some amusing aspects of it uh in such our as when you uh type in uh, uh, pick up flowers or uh, or you, when you're interacting with bits of scenery. I think one of, one of our favourite parts was uh, when we interact with... No, when we interacted with the rat. Uh, and he says, oh, the rat has disappeared off. 
maybe you should check your fingers to make sure he hasn't eaten anything. Oh, yeah, no, that was funny, actually. Maybe you should count your fingers. So I was like, oh, count fingers, because I thought there's no way this is going to do anything. And it's like, you check your fingers to make sure, and are relieved to find that they're still all present. So that's, yeah, I suppose in more modern or LucasArts-style adventure games, that's the sort of stuff you wouldn't get. Uh, yes, so, so that, that's, that, that's those little tiny Easter egg things of just looking at the right thing or just typing the right thing at the right time. I like that sort of stuff to gain a response. Yeah, it allows you to be creative with it. Yes. Have yes. a bit of fun and maybe do something. And sort of having that moment of connection where you realise that the developers have thought of the same thing that you thought of and have actually programmed in something there, a little joke for it is always fun. Yeah, I, I like that about it. I like the... It's got something of a macabre sense of humour slightly, just a little bit, you know, just... I don't know whether it was intentional or not, but just like the thank you screen when you die. Yeah. We at Sierra, thank you for playing King's Quest. Hopefully you won't be... You'll you'll have better luck next time. Uh, and the and sort the, of... Uh, oh, no, the, the music, the music, the music when music. that plays. <laughs> it's like this little comedy flourish at the end just uh yeah brings uh brings some humor to it so yeah i did think it had humor i thought it was i liked maybe it's just because i've not played a game or an adventure game in so long that i've never played before if you see what i mean yes so maybe it's just the joy of going through something and discovering it along the way and especially in playing with somebody else as well who you know you can have a laugh with it about yeah i really I did enjoy playing it. I think, objectively, I can see it's not the best adventure game ever made. It has its issues. But it was an enjoyable experience to play, and it didn't outstay its welcome as well. It was... Yes, it was relatively short. Unlike this podcast. Skip to the end. Exactly. (laughs) We'll we'll figure out how to to keep things things down in in future episodes. Uh, Thank you if you're still with us. But the... Yeah, I thought the... um, the length of it was good, and I thought the puzzles were, on the whole, workoutable if you have knowledge of fairy tales. That's it. I think that was the thing that we figured out earlier on. I was like, oh, these are all, they're all fairy tales. Yeah, so... and if, if you come from it from that angle, then actually, you know, the moon logic isn't quite so moon logic. Although the Rumpelstiltskin puzzle was stupid. Uh, as I say, I... I looked out on that to a certain degree. We it did. Just... We did look out on it. We looked out on it. That was stupid. And the beanstalk um, bit was just into. Yeah, I would say that's a bit. I see. If I was playing this, I, I didn't. Obviously, I didn't control it. If I had been trying to get up the uh, beanstalk and instantly died, I would automatically assume I wasn't supposed to climb it, or I needed something to climb. I needed it. something else, like a beanstalk map, crampons, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a glacier <laughs> it's, it's the sort of thing you'd expect or yeah. or you'd need a rope to tie yourself to it or something to make sure that yeah i've been trying to maybe it. go back to the well yeah try and get the rope and yeah um no no, no i can see that actually i i stuck with it because I, I think at first i was like oh god but then when i realized i could get past the first bit i was falling out i was like oh maybe it is just luck and and it was i think that's We've got a little section um, that I plan to put in each week about the uh, our favourite and our least favourite parts of the game. And I think the beanstalk for me has to be by far the worst part of the game. And it, not just in my lack of enjoyment of it, but also in I thought it was a it was badly designed. It was not good. 
not in keeping of the puzzle solving. No, because it's not like even it's not even keeping in lateral thinking or logical thinking. It's just luck and not very fun. So yeah, I thought that was a poor part of it. Were there any parts you particularly didn't like, Stephen? Um, I'm trying to think. Well, I'd imagine I would have got irritated with the um, the controls. Uh, I, I I've got little to no twitch reflex, and having to constantly forward, stop, down, stop, left, stop. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize for like the first ten minutes that you could stop walking by pressing the same key again. So I just kept having to turn round and sort of do this weird shimmy back and forth when I wanted to be stationary. Or walk into something which would make me stop, like a tree. Yeah, uh, I suppose also um, figuring out what you could interact with and could... I suppose that's part of the fun as well. That is... See, I think that is part of the fun of it. I think that's a thing that lots of people complain about these days. You know, they're like, oh, I didn't know what... I had to hunt for pixels. I didn't know what I was looking at. It's like, I think... Especially for this, it's not how I grew up with adventure games where you could move your cursor over stuff and look what it was. So there is a slight annoyance to it. But I kind of, after a while, I started to enjoy the fact of sort of checking to see what I could interact with, you know, look around, look at grass. So I suppose the other aspect, it's an American game. What do they call, like, I think we were looking at a cupboard or a cabinet. Oh, like, is yeah, it, yeah. Does it recognize cabinet? Does it recognize cupboard? Does it food hole? Uh, draw <laughs> but yeah like trying to pick out and trying sort of like weird crazy things which sometimes got a humorous response i, I thought was part of the fun of it so i enjoy i enjoyed it i mean I, it was not amazing but i thought it was better than i thought it was gonna be i'll be honest uh yeah i wasn't quite sure what i was expecting but mm. i was expecting it to be like a 10 episode series where we were just wandering around for <laughs> five of them not knowing what to do uh, well, this is the first one, so God knows what the what the, <laughs> the others, others are, like. are going to be like. No, no, maybe we did look out, but yeah, on the whole, I, um, I think it's I a thought solid it was good. start. Definitely a solid start to the King Quest saga. I would agree. Good. So, just a uh, couple of things um, before we uh, before we finish. There were some other versions of the game which came out, which I know you were you were talking about earlier. Please feel free to interject at the appropriate time. So firstly, there were some DOS versions which were released in 86 and 87, which made some minor updates to the game, although they weren't really um, overhauls, so to speak. It just added things like mouse support, I believe, and updated graphics, allowing, you know, the full 16 color palette, things like that. The first major overhaul actually came out in 1989 for the Sega Master System. I will uh, interject this with the 1987 version, which the DOS is where version, they yeah. uh, with the Rumpelstiltskin before there wasn't a key you just had to get it oh really i didn't know that okay right so that in 1987 they realized that puzzle was far too hard so if you failed it you got a key okay so what they should have done is made it that if you succeeded you got a key and if you failed it you got the beans that would have been easier that would have been, that that been better because i think it's i think the beanstalk was way too hard well we instantly saw the beanstalk when we got a beans we we found fertile soil earlier it wasn't even a, you know it was climbing the beanstalk that was the difficult bit yeah so in yeah in 1989 sega master system released a version of it on its own engine with a uh, lucasarts style verb interface so not the text stuff obviously because that would be very difficult to do on a uh, a sega controller it shares puzzles and points with the original but there are some slight changes for example the boulder so if you played the 
original before this will annoy you because the boulder rolls a different way in the Sega Master System which version. direction? Because it rolled down on us. It did. I'm not sure which way it rolls, but it obviously it rolls a different way, either up or to the side. In the uh, Master System version, you can also pick up a three-leafed clover, which you can't do in the uh, in the original version. Is that in conjunction with the four-leaf? Uh, I'm not sure. Wait, I, I think you can just pick up a three-leaf clover and then it doesn't do anything when you get to the leprechauns. I would have thought, you know what? That's kind of clever if you think about it, because if you're wandering into a patch and never played it before, you pick up a three-leaf clover, you yeah. think you found something. Exactly. Whereas, actually, you need to... But whereas you have to actually fight, look at the four-leaf clover and pick up the right one. So I actually th I think they should have kept... that. I think that's a good addition. It's, yep. I think it's... Yeah, I think it's good. Yeah. So uh, you can die more, apparently. Uh, I haven't got the details of exactly how, but there are more opportunities for death. Treasures can be collected in any order, whereas I believe in the other remake we're about to discuss, uh, there is a certain order you have to collect them in. So it's the same as the original in that regard. And the uh, the most annoying thing about it is it does have say it doesn't have saves, but what it does have are passwords which you would enter ah. um, to get to certain levels. And these passwords are like thirty two characters long. What? <laughs> I imagine they're not even words, are they? It's just like no, 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 no. It's just yeah, exactly, and and that's just that'd be like an eighth of it. And yeah, so you had to write down these and enter these enormous passwords every time you died <laughs> to reload. Bloody oh man! Which I think was probably a deal breaker for many people. <laughs> man, uh, and enter yeah. and enter them using a controller really what well, yeah, no it's on the master system it's not the oh, keyboard. <laughs> oh my that that's scrolling up and down and oh my god so yeah thank heaven for small mercies uh, in 1990 came the first official well the only official remake actually of the game by sierra um using their new sci engine which was their updated engine from the agi engine and this is what a lot of their later 80s early 90s games were made with is it sort of the same era as the chaos engine is that a joke yeah okay is that something to do with sonic the hedgehog no there was a game called chaos engine okay oh right okay oh, i'm thinking of chaos emeralds <laughs> okay so the 1990 remake it had completely revamped graphics so it wasn't just like they'd gone in and put some more colors in it is it was redrawn completely and not like a one-to-one -one redraw either it's like the scale had changed some screens looked totally different it was redone completely it still had 16 colors so it wasn't you know vga yet it's still ega graphics but it had twice the resolution of the original game much more detailed it had music card support so it wasn't just your pc speaker you could you know have your sound blaster and midi cards play um, more detailed music there were more conversations you could speak to more people in the game world I do believe this is the one where they have guards. Yes, there are. There are guards outside the castle. Yeah, the intro sequence is you wandering onto the land and uh, the guards saying, Open the gates! Yeah, yeah, and you have to... Make like, way for the king! The knight! Uh, yeah, um, you've got, I suppose you've got a little bit more narrative. Yeah, there was, more, there was definitely more narrative to it. It was more detailed in conversations you could have with other characters um it was more linear you had to do the quests in a certain order i'm not sure what order that was but you did have to do them in a set order some items had changed some locations had changed slightly 
but ultimately the puzzles were were mostly similar so for example it wasn't like stairs up to the um the cloud kingdom it was like gangways or something really weird like that okay yeah they changed a few um a few uh, locations quite significantly and then finally in in 2001 um there was a fan remake by a company called agd and this had full vga graphics no text parser whatsoever it was uh, done by a king's quest 5 graphical interface it had full speech including josh mandel who was the voice of king graham in king's quest 5 and they got him back to do the fan remake of King's Quest. That 1. means nothing to me, but okay, I'm I'm sure it will do when we get to King's Quest Five. Uh, he's the guy who does the voice of King Graham in King's Quest Five. So there you are. So I think that's about it. We'll draw it at a close there because we're over two hours already. As a final rating, what should we say? Out of ten? Oh, I don't really like to put a number on it. Should we not put a number? Oh, on I, it? I, 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 can we make noises like? <clears throat> Okay, we'll start with that. We'll consider a rating system, but for now we'll do um, pig squeals from what that sounded like. No, but you know, you know, like, <laughs> ah, ah. Yeah, is that your noise? Yeah. Okay. My noise would be, uh, hmm, hmm. There yeah. we are. There we go. <laughs> That's our opinion on King's Quest 1, Quest for the Crown. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very, very much if you have remained with us for this entire time. Um, this is our very first podcast, so we do apologize if it was a little bit uh, meandering and ropey at times. Um, but we appreciate you listening. Please subscribe to us and uh, give us a five-star rating on iTunes if you are able. Follow us on Twitter at, at @adventurerspod. And you can also find us on YouTube at The Graphic Adventurers. So thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time. It's bye from me. Uh, it's goodbye from me. Good night. Goodbye.